Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. Capella University's game-changing FlexPath format helps you learn at your own pace and fit earning a degree into your life. From before you enroll to after you graduate, you'll be supported by people who are invested in your success so you can pursue your goals knowing that help is available if you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is the James Altucher Show. Today on the James Altucher Show. On this episode of, I don't know what to call this, James's Q&A. Maybe, you know, send me a message and tell me what I should call this series of podcasts. But anyway, on this episode, more frame control techniques. Those are powerful persuasion techniques. I write about it in my next book, and I just think these are incredibly, incredibly important skills to learn in this new environment, which I'm calling the Great Reset. Everything's reset. You need the skills to survive and thrive. Can I answer some questions? What's a reliable news source that's out there? And there's a, I have a, maybe a different take on that. Should you do a podcast? And if so, how should you think about it? Is classical music racist? This was actually the BS headline of the day. Please text me questions or topics you want to hear more about. I'm at 203-590-8607. That's 203-590-8607. Enjoy. Welcome to the latest Q&A. Robin, how are you doing? I'm good. So you, you went out this morning. Um, the kids arrived yesterday. You went out and... Took them out. Took them... Eight o'clock this paddle morning. Paddle boarding? Or what, are they, what were they doing paddle, on the ocean? Paddle boarding. Yeah? Did they have fun? Oh, yeah. So paddle boarding is that like, big surfboard that you could stand on? Mm-hmm. And you have a paddle. How do you not fall? Like... Well, usually they're pretty wide and mm-hmm. they're large, so it's easy. It's not like you're on a narrow board. Like All right, I think I'd like to go um, yeah, in a year it. or two. <laughs> and and uh, they were also in the newspaper. They 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 took pictures of them out there. So now before noon, hey, they're in the newspaper. By the way, oh, he's not listening. I'm not listening to you because I just got an email this second that. Uh, Gonna find. It looks like I'm moving closer to. It looks like uh, they, Humanity Forward, which is Andrew Yang's organization, mm-hmm. wants to talk to me about having Andrew Yang on the podcast. Maybe we can get him on one of these Instagram lives as well. Wow! So That's finally, awesome. hashtag Yang Gang going to work. Um, anyway, how's everybody doing in the Q and A? Uh, and I'll start answering <laughs> questions. Uh, Jay should be on. So. Or, or text questions, you can text questions directly to me on my phone, 203-590-8607. Text me questions or topics. Happy to talk about any topics. Robin, people missed you yesterday. I think I they know. were tired of just, weird. people listen to me and look at you. <laughs> and I think they were tired of they looking at me. They listen to me too. They listen to you too, I'm, I, that was rude of me. <laughs> so, it's true. But you know, I, did, I missed everybody. If you listen to the um, the podcast yesterday, I talked a little bit, or the Q and A yesterday, I talked a little bit about persuasion techniques, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I talked about some techniques I'm mentioning in my upcoming book. But that's eight yeah. months away, so might as well talk about them now. And I talked about this idea of frame control and two yeah. frame control techniques, and one one important. Frame control technique is to, and actually I didn't mention this yesterday, but do not try to convince anyone of anything. Mm-hmm. So 
if um if I say uh, to you something like, uh, well, you're you know you're so bad at cooking, and if you say no, I'm good at cooking. You like my mm -hmm. cooking. Then you implicitly, by try, by defending yourself and trying to convince me that you're good at cooking, mm -hmm. you, uh, my persuasion technique worked. Like you're trying, you give me status implicitly by trying to convince me of something. Yeah, well, when you said to me, I said no. <laughs> Which is, by the way, so, e even no, better. <laughs> that that actually keeps gives you the frame when you say I know. Like you, well, you're telling me nothing I don't know. So uh, that establishes. So it's sort of like, there's actually another, so I'll talk about another um, frame control technique, which is uh, called pick and choose. Mm. So basically someone um, is maybe doing a couple things simultaneously to manipulate a response from you. Mm. And you could pick and choose which of, you know, you don't have to fall completely under the person's frame. You can take the frame back by picking and choosing what you're responding to. So I, I saw this video where some I, I some singer uh, is with Steve Harvey, the comedian mm -hmm. and talk show host or whatever. And she, uh, she starts laughing at him and she's like, oh, you're, you're so stupid. You can't even say Ariana, right? And she's laughing. It's, it's Ariana or some, something yeah, like that. Yeah. And he looks away from her and he says, I was that I was back stage and I said Ariana in the clip. And then they said, they, they told me to say it this other way. And I said it this other way. And that's the one they use. It's not on me. And so he picked and chose. What, what I mean is he didn't laugh. She was laughing and kind of making mm -hmm. fun of him. He did not laugh. He just explained logically what happened. Yeah. So he didn't accept blame and he didn't laugh. He didn't do any of the things she was trying to do. He just explained what happened. And then she actually then, oh, I'm sorry. I owe you an apology. So he had taken the frame that way. And, um, and then he used another important frame control technique, which is he de-escalated her frame. So she's, she, her first thing, you know, accused him of basically being kind of either naive or not culturally savvy because he pronounced her name wrong. Oh. And, and so then right after he said that thing about where, where then she apologized, he then said, but trust me, I'm going to mess up a lot more names. Uh, in the next wow. hour. So he used humor and instantly de-escalates de de yeah, yeah. the frame. Cause what is, so then the audience is laughing. Right. He's completely got the frame now. Right. So these are helpful, uh, uh, persuasion techniques, frame control techniques. How can you use this in practice? So, um, huh, let's cool. say you're asking your boss for a raise and he's like, um, Let's say uh, I'm just making this up. I have no idea. He, he's he, let's say he reaches in his pocket. This happened to me once. My, I asked the boss for a raise and he reached in his pocket, found like a five dollar bill. And he's like, here, how's that? And then you can say, oh, my gosh, that was more than I was expecting from you. I was expecting a three dollar bill. Yeah. And so, you know, yeah. three you know, people have expression queer as a three dollar bill. Oh, okay. So so I'm using humor and right. uh uh, that throws the de-escalates right. the frame. It actually gives me the frame because I'm kind of, uh, you know, not quite insulting him because you can't say that, that's not an insult, but I'm sort of questioning his sexuality. Right, right. And uh, he, if he responds like, I'm not, you know, you'll have, you know, I'm not gay or I'm straight or whatever, then suddenly he's defending himself and you're further in control of the frame. And then you could joke even further by saying, actually, I was thinking of a, a of making whatever your salary is plus one dollar. So now you're using humor again and you're anchoring, you're using anchor bias to anchor some number really high. Wow. And then you can say, but no, seriously, blah, blah, blah. And then yeah. go into your other techniques. So pick and choose and humor are important techniques. Another important technique, I'll give one other technique is ignore. So if you were to come up to me and say, uh, uh, you know, and I would never do this, but you would, you would, you could say, why don't you ever clean your dishes? And I could say something like, oh, I read this really interesting article in the news today. Uh, I, 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 you should take a look at it. And so I completely ignored what you just said. Uh -huh. And now you have a choice. You could say, are you ignoring me? Or you could say, oh, what was the article? Now I've got the frame. <laughs> so uh, it's sort of like this, just in the beginning when I said the kids were on the news. Yeah. And then what did you, what did I say? I forget. Uh, you ignored me. 
I did? Yeah. Oh, like, oh yeah, because I because I actually got distracted. <laughs> so I wasn't trying to see. Some, <laughs> I mo- know. By the way, most of the time, this is a very important I'm thing. I'm teasing it to you anyway. This is a very <laughs> important thing in persuasion, by the way, is that there's something called frame fatigue. Like if I'm constantly trying to persuade you, right, right. then you'll get like, Ugh. all of a sudden you'll, you, you know, if you constantly let me take the frame or in any case, in any situation, if one person is constantly taking the frame over another, the other is going to get frame fatigue and eventually the, the, the person who's constantly being persuaded right. will get sick of it and will say, hey, Oh, I'm kind of sick of this. They'll be on to it too. So maybe they will be like, I remember one time I was in a relationship and I think I was constantly losing the frame throughout. I think I was insecure and I was constantly trying to please the other person. So if she said, you know, why did you do this? I would defend myself. Mm-hmm. Or if she, or if she would say, I can't, you know, whatever, whatever she was doing. Mm-hmm. I suddenly like realized I couldn't even figure out what I needed anymore in the relationship. Yeah. Like if someone asked, like if I was always catering to her needs, yeah. I would just start, I would start to forget like, well, what do I need? And right. I remember one time I even said to her, uh, and this is maybe just all very revealing. I said, I'm always, uh, you know, I was getting frame fatigue. And I said, I feel like I'm always catering to your every need. Mm-hmm. I, what, how You don't seem to, think about my needs. Mm-hmm. And she said something which is also like a frame control thing. She said, well, I don't, I, I don't have any money. And so she tried to switch it to a more of a conversation that needs were met with money. And I honestly, because I was, <laughs> the, yeah, it was a big red flag, of course, which is why <laughs> yeah. that didn't work out. But I was so, I had been so frame fatigued. I didn't even know that I had needs that had not things to yeah, do out, other outside of money. So yeah. I was just totally obliterated in frame. And it was only when I got so frame fatigued that I finally I, I realized, my gosh, I have to end this. Like, why am I just completely clueless as to what I need in out of this? Yeah. So that's a, that's a good sign. There's two good signs, I think, in relationships. And I'd like to hear yours as well, just so I don't ever lose you, honey. Uh, but I think there's two things. One is if you feel like you don't know what your needs in a relationship are, I'm not saying break up, but I think you got to take a step back and really understand, maybe do a list of 10 ideas. Like what are my needs in any relationship and are they being met in this one? And another bad sign, which I remember you and I discussed this on our very first date. Another bad sign in a relationship is if you're keeping score. So mm-hmm. notice in that in the example I just gave you, yeah. I said to her, "Oh, I feel like I'm always keeping, you know, mm-hmm. catering to your needs, and you're never catering to mine." But what I was really saying was also, I'm keeping score, and somehow I'm losing. And if you find yourself keeping score, yeah. um, probably the relationship is not working for you. Mm-hmm. Like w- I, with you, I have never said, "Well." you know, I did this, this, this for you, but you've only done this and this. And I don't think you've said this to me. Like, I don't think we keep, like sometimes it is the case that one person needs more than the other for a while and vice versa. Yeah. Yeah. So I find if if all of a sudden I'm keeping score on any basis that's relationship related, then that's probably a bad sign. That's usually a sign you should break up or, or, or at least this is a person who for some reason you're, you're, it's not that the other person's toxic, you're actually, I was toxic by keeping score, but it doesn't matter. It takes two people to have a toxic relationship. So if I was feeling toxic in it, or I was feeling in a toxic way, then that's probably a bad sign. Like It's just for like boundaries, really. I mean, you allowed that other person to take over, you know, whatever they want. You just have to have boundaries and yeah. you have to learn how to say, well, I can't do that right now or or, you know, can maybe somebody else help you? And that's should, that's fine. You know, sometimes I ask for help who, and you're busy. Wait, so who's, who else is helping you? No, no, but you know what I mean? It's like, and, and you don't always want to be, uh, you know, lost in that person because you are an individual, I'm an individual, and these two individuals come together. And so we, we shouldn't lose ourselves in, 
each other, although we do become one and we've become, so right. we work well together, but you should always be you. Yeah, so how, would, you so how would you measure, because like, I think that's a hard thing to see, how would you measure if you're getting lost Wait. in someone? Well, is that you're happy. All right. Really, because you're happy, you wake up happy, and you get to do things that you want to do, you're not afraid to, to say, oh, I want to go do this today or whatever, and you're not afraid of them saying, well, I don't want you to do that. Because I know you wouldn't do that, and I wouldn't do that to you. Right, like, like, like I was always worried, because I had these prior, prior examples of keeping score on both sides, I was always worried, like, you, you've gone to pretty much every single comedy event, I think you've gone to every single comedy event yeah. I've done since we met, and I always was worried that Oh, you know, you know, because then other nights we'd be tired because we would just stay out late going to a comedy. So I was always worried there was an opportunity mm -hmm. for you to keep score and say, mm -hmm. I always go to your comedy events. You don't go to anything I want to do. So I was always a little nervous, like, yeah. is she, you know, is she keeping score on this? Am I doing enough? To, to go to things she wants to go. But I don't think you ever really kept score on that. And yeah. also, you enjoy, uh, you know, I hope you enjoyed them. Yeah, but that's my choice. They're my choices to go with you. You know, you're not yeah. making me go. So if I, if I tell you how you make, you know, I've been going to all these, you know, shows with you, that's, that's sort of in a way saying you're making me go. Yeah. You know? And you're not. No, this I never did. I always, that's right. yeah, so it wasn't a big deal. That I've chosen. To do, and there'll be maybe times in the future that I won't go at all. But you know, the thing is, is that what? <laughs> oh. I think I'm doing the Hard Rock Casino here, July fifteenth. Unless so cool. unless we um unless unless we but, super spread the virus. But I do want to say something about you know everyone said that, you know codependency. So let's go on to the next question. Uh, no, sorry. <laughs> you know. Everyone puts down codependency. It's like, oh, you don't want to be codependent and blah, blah, blah. Which, to be honest, personally, in my opinion, I think being codependent with your spouse is a great thing. And I don't mean it in a way where he makes me, if he's not happy, I'm not happy. I mean, and it is kind of true. If you're sad, I feel sad. It's not like you're, <clears throat> you know, I'm still an individual. You're still an individual individual but when you get married and you become really close to somebody you are dependent and you are co-dependent with each other well, like, what does co-dependent mean well i mean i think in the beginning it was a good term but then they kind of twisted it and made it into something not so good and i think it can be unhealthy uh anything good if it's if it's too much uh could be bad right so but I do feel like, you know, you see these old couples that are, that have been together forever and then one dies and then the other one dies, you know, six months later. I mean, there's nothing wrong with, with being that close to somebody. It's actually wonderful. And, um, but. What's, what's the negative quote that I mean? <clears throat> well, the no negative, I think, would be if you're abusive. If one is abusive, one of the partners is abusive and you continue to stay, you know, you don't create the boundaries or you don't stop it. And then like the abuse is like really bad. And then they come back and bring you flowers and they say they're sorry. Uh, yeah. And then, and then again, it happens again. And then they say, Oh, I'm sorry. And here's some flowers. Now that's abuse. And like, some people can't leave because it's a, that's a bad codependency. I think that's something that, you know, it's like they are afraid to leave and, and they, and they, they become that other person. So they can't function as an individual. I think you and I <clears throat> function as individuals, but we come together and create a more dynamic, you know, couple. It's true. That's, I think I, I to be honest, I think I have a tendency that I could be codependent, but Well, that's okay. Like, like I said, being co, I mean, I, 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 really need you to do stuff. I mean, this is something that you do for me. I do things for you that you need, but it's, <clears throat> it's a natural thing as a married couple, you know, you do count on each other and it's not a bad thing. It's just when it turns out to be harmful. Yeah. All right. Okay. And, uh, we'll see. I'm going to, I'm, I'm planning on being a crack addict at some point. So we'll see how you <laughs> deal with it. Um, so, uh, I'll, I'll answer a question now. Uh, uh, with 2 million podcasts out there, why should you start your own podcast? So someone said that they were thinking of doing a podcast, but then they felt discouraged 
because they realized they read an article, there's 2 million podcasts and they thought, how could they compete? I sort of agree and sort of disagree because if you want to do a podcast, that's different than, you know, being the next Joe Rogan, having, you know, a 10 million downloads an episode podcast. So you, you, if you want to do something, just do it. So a lot of times, remember a lot of times we'll have a friend over and the conversation will get really intense mm -hmm. and we'll think to ourselves, ugh, too bad we weren't recording this because this mm -hmm. would have been a good podcast episode. Right. So just try inviting a friend over and having a pick a topic that you feel strongly about. Like for instance, um, I always use pro-life and pro-choice as an example because that's... Oh. So not only, <laughs> not only did we knock over... The we IG Live. But it accidentally called 911. Uh oh. But now. They're going to be calling us back. Um, no, they won't. They won't? Okay. Um, I don't know how to. Okay. See, this is. This is because he needs me to do this. this is you guys thing. you guys stuck around. Thank you. Uh, uh, okay. I think that's good. Robin, sure. why are you always screwing up? Yeah, I know. Sorry. No, you just let me take the frame there. You can't. Yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't, oh, okay. I didn't spin myself. I'm gonna give a. I'm gonna give another. I'm gonna give another. I'm gonna give another frame control technique. Okay. So I did that one as an example. Yeah. I was just incredibly rude to Robin. Uh -huh. I said. And I ignored you. I said no. You defended yourself. No, I said I'm sorry. <laughs> you said I didn't do it. No, I did. So, I said I'm sorry. All right. Well. <laughs> here's a good technique, but that doesn't. That's the problem is not whether you did it or not. The problem is I was rude. So never use the word I when someone this is a good persuasion technique. Never use the word I when someone else is rude. So if I'm rude to Robin, like, you know, why are you always screwing up? She said, I'm sorry, which is the opposite. Of, because it was my fault. <laughs> but what you could say is, why do you always get angry over small things? So you could have, you could have, Oh, that's not Because, like, I was inappropriately rude and angry over something small. Yeah, but it was small, and so why would you do that? No, but you could say. You, that, I'm just saying. If you, if I was a... Just a general technique. Yeah, that's right. If someone is rude to you, mm -hmm. don't say I. Just throw it back at them. Like, why are you angry? Why are you always yeah. you overreacting on small things? So don't use the word I. Just keep keep the context in with their pronoun instead of you... Inheriting the context because right. it's a rude context. Um, if, if I could, if I said to you instead, "Hey, so this doesn't happen again. Here's what we should maybe do." Mm -hmm. That's a more polite response to, right. to this. But anyway, we 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 flipped over the camera just to provide that example. Um, so with two million podcasts, don't worry so much about competition because there are podcasts that started up in the past six months that are enormous, huge podcasts. So uh, the key thing with anything is it's just like copywriting. Figure out what's an earth, you know, what is the, figure out who are you, why are you, why now? So for instance, my podcast, uh, The James Altucher Show, I have experience in many different fields. I've written a bunch of books. I started a bunch of different businesses. So I have a kind of range of experience, different, and I've also interviewed hundreds of people even before I started the podcast. So I have a range of skills and experiences. Why am I? I'm someone who's very interested in how other people achieve peak performance. So I'm always interested in trying to, whatever interest I switch to, I switch interests a lot. And the problem when you switch interests a lot is that you have to, what I call skip the line. You have to get really good really fast because I'm over 50 years old, if it's going to take me 10,000 hours to get good at something, it's not worth it for me to switch right. interests. So I'm, so why are, why me? I'm, you should go on my podcast because I'm going to really, or you should listen to my podcast because I'm really obsessed with peak performance, learning things really quickly and, and monetizing them. And why now? Well, it's been going on for a long time, but like particularly right now, a lot of people were, were about to go through what I call the great reset, which is the entire world is going to shift interests, careers, passions, yeah. the way they monetize and so on. So why now this is a really good time to figure out how to achieve peak performance. So 
So first, as if you're gonna start a podcast or write a book or or do whatever, do stand-up comedy, ask yourself, who are you? Why are you? Why now? Then And why are you doing it? No, I'm just joking. <laughs> you can ask that too. So see, I said I kept it with you. Uh I always ask that why. This is so goddamn rude how you interrupted me. Uh, uh the other thing is, again, the, the rules of copywriting, I, don't, I hate to call it copywriting because they're kind of good questions to ask in general about anything you do. What's, what's unique about you know, what you're offering? If you're just gonna do another interview podcast, like here's a problem that a lot of podcasts have, is that we all get a list every month of all the authors who are, putting, um, who are publishing books in the next month. And those authors are gonna go on 20 podcasts, and that's fine. But if you're gonna have just a normal interview podcast, you're not gonna be better than most of the other interview podcasts that have been ongoing, and who you're just gonna get the same guests as every other interview podcast, so you're not gonna be unique. So, you know, one area to be unique is, uh, you know, study in depth a true crime story. So, like, uh, you know how there was this Netflix special about Ted Bundy, a Netflix series about Ted Bundy uh, a couple of months ago. Uh, you know, people love true crime stories. People love serial type stories. So tell a true crime story or tell, or do, or, or right now, like, you know, do really in-depth stuff about the election or do a podcast, like a mini series podcast about pandemics, the history of right. pandemics. Right. You know, like pick a unique area, like Dan Carlin, he does the, the amazingly popular podcast, Hardcore History. So he, he doesn't have a PhD. He, when, when someone first suggested, his mother first suggested him, mm-hmm. do a podcast already. Like we're sick of hearing you talk about history at the dinner table. And he's like, I can't do a podcast. I don't have a PhD in history. And, but he decided to choose himself. You don't need a PhD. Remember what I said yesterday, skills are more important than degrees. So he was a great storyteller mm-hmm. and he takes months researching every aspect of some obscure but important part of history. And he thinks of all the right, remember, a story is not a list of facts. A story is an unraveling of questions that may, you know, that that there's a reason why I'm telling this story. There's a reason why the events got worse and worse and worse and what happened afterwards. There's a reason why that story came, came to an end. So Dan, listen to a hardcore history podcast and it's so comprehensive and it's so interesting. Even if he's talking about an obscure battle from 4,000 years ago, he finds a way to relate it to what's happening now because people are not listening to your podcast to hear about those events 4,000 years ago. They're listening to hear more about what they can learn from this, what they, how they become better. They wanna be better. They don't wanna just know about a list of facts. They want their lives to be better. So figure out how you can be unique. Anybody starting today can start a podcast that will instantly catapult them to the top. Do a podcast about conspiracy theories, like obscure, weird conspiracy theories. Do a podcast, you know, so the the Tinfoil Hat podcast is this great podcast about conspiracy theories, or Tim Dillon's podcast, a great podcast about everything from Jeffrey Epstein to, you know, Bill Clinton to the elections to this, that, he's just, He's just uh, uh, insane. So, I'll, I'll, actually, I'll point out something about, I always get a, a unique perspective. So, Tim Dillon, I highly encourage listening to his podcast. It's, it's one of the few podcasts I listen to. I was listening to him today, and he brought up an interesting thing, which is that, um, I guess there's this Netflix show, Big Mouth. You know, hit a, a like if you, if you watch that show. So, it's an animated show. And uh, the actress, Jenny Slate, who uh, says she quit being one of the voices on the show because she was playing the character of a half Jewish, half black character. And she said uh, actresses should no longer play uh, African-Americans if they're not African-American. So Tim Dillon was making fun of that. He's a comedian and he was like, and he's thought that that was insane for her to say and he said if you want to if you want to respond you can't this is actually a good frame control technique again Mm -hmm. he said specifically you can't um argue against a woke comment like that what you have to do is you have to out woke the woke 
So, so he basically started screaming like, you know, we need, we need to cancel Netflix. Like Netflix allowed this show to go on. We need to cancel all television and Jenny Slate and every other actor who's ever, you know, played a race that wasn't their own needs to be put up uh, against a military tribunal and be sentenced to, you know, you can't, you can't leave off the table sentencing this person to death. Like that has to be in, you know, in the cards for this military tribunal. So he's just going on and on outwoking the woke. Which brings me, by the way, to the BS headline of the day. Okay. Yes, it's totally true. Airbnb has changed my life. If anything, they have made my life so much better. Like I used to live in Airbnbs. I, I lived in over a hundred or 200 different Airbnbs over a three-year period. And I loved it. I love, I became a really good guest of Airbnbs and I got to know lots of hosts. So when I initially owned a house, I, of course, the first thing I thought was I'm going to turn my house into an Airbnb because I travel a lot. So why leave my house unused when I can make a side income by letting others Airbnb my house or come to stay in my house as guests. And having my own Airbnb or, or being a host for Airbnb has allowed me to do just that. And I've met other hosts. I've actually spoken at Airbnb's host conference. I think it was in 2017. I met so many just nice hosts. It's a great community. And I love you know turning my own home into an Airbnb. Like I'm traveling to Austin next month. My home's gonna be an Airbnb while I'm away and I'll stay in an Airbnb. I'd rather stay in like a three-story house Airbnb than in one tiny hotel room in, in the middle of Austin during South by Southwest. So listen, while you're away, your home could be an Airbnb. Many people host on Airbnb, but there are people who are just letting their house sit empty who've never thought about it or didn't realize their space could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and is a great way to earn some extra money. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, then you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Daylight savings time is starting up again. Okay, podcast is over. That's all you needed to know. But why do we have uh, daylight savings time? Answer, to give us more daylight from March through November. By setting your clocks forward, it may feel like there are more hours in the day that initial, when we initially start daylight savings. But if you're hiring, it doesn't necessarily help you find qualified candidates for your roles any sooner. There's only one way to do that, ZipRecruiter. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter works around the clock to find qualified candidates for you. Once you post your job on ZipRecruiter, they send it to 100 plus job sites so you reach more of the right people. This is such a brilliant idea for a business and ZipRecruiter did it. So ZipRecruiter's smart technology also quickly scans thousands of resumes to identify people whose skills and experience match your job. I've used ZipRecruiter particularly as a potential employee and I still to this day get messages every day. James Aldacher, would you like to apply to be VP of entertainment at NBC or whatever. So there's just nonstop emails. Like I got five or six emails today because of, because a year ago I signed up for ZipRecruiter. So spring forward with a new hiring partner, ZipRecruiter, and find top talent sooner. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Hey, listen, men's health is important. Men act all cocky and like they don't need anything. But the reality is, as you get older, there's some things you need. And it often feels like we're too busy to take care of our health problems. Like I'd rather do anything then go to the doctor or the dentist or the pharmacy or whatever. But now you don't have to waste your time if you use 
Hims. Hims, H-I-M-S, Hims is changing men's healthcare by providing simple and convenient access to science-backed treatments for erectile dysfunction, hair loss, weight loss, and more. The entire process is 100% online, so you get a new routine of improving your overall health faster. Jay, you listening to all this? Yes, I definitely gonna use Hims from now. Not on. that you need it. You're you're young and healthy. James, I'm 35. You, you're getting there. You might you might need it. Who knows? But if prescribed, your medication ships directly to you for free and indiscreet packaging. No insurance is needed. You can manage your plan on the Hims app, track progress, and learn more about your conditions and how to treat them from leading medical experts. Start your free online visit today at hymns.com slash James. Could you imagine that there's a whole section just with my name on it? Hymns.com slash James. That's how I how much I am representative of the kind of person who needs hymns. That's HIMS.com slash James for your personalized treatment options. Hymns.com slash James. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See hymns.com slash James for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription plan. There was an article. I think I deleted it somewhere. Oh, wait, no. Here's the article. Uh, it's time. Here's the BS headline of the day. It's time to let classical music die. Wow. And the, the argument of this person, uh, Nabal Maysad, is that classical music is completely racist and is created by, you know, the white oppressors, which, you know, classical music is mostly from Europe. So I guess you would say all the Europeans are white. That doesn't quite ring true, but uh, that's just ridiculous. So because first off, First off, classical music has, there's, there's no, there's nothing to do with being white. It's mm -hmm. like, you know, every part of the world has different styles of music. So right. if you're from India, right. there's, there's, there's not like um, octaves and chords like in classical music. There are these things called ragas that are the way that in, sometimes you hear someone singing an Indian song, it like wavers and quivers around. That's uh, a completely different style. Uh, and different instruments and everything than European classical music. So you, you can learn music theory from studying classical music. There's a, lot, there's a lot of beautiful pieces that have nothing to do with race or whatever. I don't know of any that have anything to do with race. And has this person listened to rap music? I mean, <laughs> rap music, and by the way, I love rap music. I do too. I love every aspect of rap right. music. And there's very I like few African music too. I like the drumming and you know, we took drumming and stuff when we were there. I don't. Right, but but, but but no. But what I'm saying is, so so okay, that's a different topic, which is yeah, the whole the whole, the whole myth of cultural appropriation, which is just ridiculous. But uh, rap music is the most sexist, misogynistic, mm -hmm. racist. I mean, if you listen, doesn't matter who is doing the rap music. It is racist against every race possible. It is racist against. It's sexist against women. It's sexist against men. It's 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 all about you know it's not all of it. Some of it's about materialism, like over materialism, like rap music. If you listen to the lyrics, often it's funny, but it, you know, you know, like like we were watching on a video yesterday. Yeah. Good rule of thumb when when you're pulled over by the police, if you're an African American, don't be playing um, NWA's, you know. Fuck the police when you're pulled over really loudly. Matter, I don't think it doesn't matter what color you are. You shouldn't be playing that. Yeah, you probably should be playing that if you're pulled over by the police, whether you're white or black or Chinese. White, even yeah. no matter what race you are. Rule number one: Don't play the, that rap song when the police are walking up to your car. So, to, the idea that uh, classical music is somehow racist and should be canceled. You might as well just say all music should be canceled. We're gonna outwoke the woke. Like, so by the way, it is a frame control technique, broaden the frame. So if someone says, I'll give it, I'll give another example. If someone says we shouldn't allow immigration because uh, it takes jobs away from Americans, mm -hmm. you could say, you, you could broaden the frame and you could say, 
what what do these borders mean? Like these borders are so arbitrary. Like why is Canada a separate country from the U.S.? Why is France a separate country from Belgium? Like you know the whole concept of of borders is a fiction anyway. So why do we really care? Uh, and and how many people really find life satisfaction getting like factory jobs in Detroit? Like let other people have those jobs if you know that's not really what will protect american jobs so you can broaden the frame and so tim dillon's suggestion of outwoking the woke is an example of broadening the frame but if someone says let classical music die because it's racist you might as well just cancel all music because that is just yeah. ridiculous um that's the bs headline of the day it's really amazing i don't even have a like how far does it go um well okay let, let's just talk about cultural appropriation for a second, because you said you like African drumming. And I know yeah. at times our kids have wondered out loud whether that's cultural appropriation. And uh, it's such a classic example. And, and by the way, I'm not, I don't mean to pick on Democrats here. I'll pick on Republicans, too. Um, but Nancy Pelosi and all, and oh. Chuck Schumer and all when the congressional I, leaders were wearing the, uh, what's it called, the kente cloth from yeah. Ghana, and they were, yeah. and, and... And I said that too, I was like, oh my God, they're wearing an Ashanti, you know, cloth. And the Ashanti... Because you lived in Ghana. I lived in Ghana, so I know all about this tribe, but they're the gold tribe, and they are the most aggressive, and actually, they're the ones that rounded up and, and um, you know, uh, all the other tribes and to sell, you know, them to the, you know, the, the, so, so, other, so basically the, England and, and, you know, yes, yeah, so basically the scarf that Nancy Pelosi was wearing. Right? I couldn't and believe Schumer, that they chose that. They were wearing the scarf specifically of a tribe in Ghana that is known for being the ones who kidnapped Yes. all the people from the other tribes and then sold them into slavery. That's right. So they were wearing the scarves of the slave sellers. Remember me? I, yeah. I'm like, I can't believe and, it. And so I, I don't know if they apologized, but I, they did realize they that later. Impressive. But you would think that it, 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 this whole pandemic has kind of underlined how many people with, you know, smart, high IQ people, because you, you have to admit, every, every, most people, not everybody, but most people in really high positions of government no matter how much you hate them, no matter how much you think they're idiots, you gotta have some IQ to uh, get reelected 20 times in a row like Nancy Pelosi and, and you know, diplomat. the reason she's Speaker of the House is because she's so diplomatic and she was able to, you know, cater to the needs of, you know, the 450 or so other uh, congressmen, 430 other congressmen. So, you know, you can't be a total idiot. And yet what this pandemic reminds me is that many, many people I've seen like Einstein level IQs have been so stupid about other things. Like everybody who's been an expert, you have to actually really, even if you're talking to an epidemiologist, they might be an expert in how one cell attaches to another cell. But when you ask them also to do data modeling and start projecting how many deaths there are gonna be, they're, they're no better than a 10th a, a, a grader who took a statistics class. That's what we realized in this pandemic. Or, or, you know, I've talked to many doctors who are really good at X, Y, Z, you know, what they specifically got their PhD in. And, but then when you ask them, I mean, I even talked to an economist who said, oh no, the country can handle two years of, you know, the Federal Reserve and the government bailing everyone out. Are you kidding me? The country couldn't even handle three months of that. Like. There's been so much chaos and unrest and 40 million layoffs and miles and miles of food lines and the bureaucracy couldn't figure out how to get people the, the money. Finally, by the way, uh, Trump, I think, said yesterday, which is what I've been, we've been talking about on this podcast for so long, is that finally he starts saying, uh, he said finally yesterday, there will be more direct stimulus directly to people. And this is the one thing I've been like, I even wrote emails to all sorts of people in the Trump administration, like you have, and I've outlined the economics, you have to give directly to people if you wanted to hit the economy, particularly if you wanted to hit the economy by November. So, uh, and by the way, I'm completely, completely not political. On a local level, I'm a little more political because that's where you start seeing real, you know, things affect your life. <laughs> But the only thing, there's not very many things a president can do that's gonna affect your life. If you really want 
change, focus on the, the local level, which is why we, we, you know, we like Eric Adams, the Brooklyn Borough President. He's been on my podcast two or three times and um, he's, a, uh, he's running for mayor next year, 22 years on the police force, African-American guy, great vegan, which I don't approve of. Think he's overdoing it, but whatever. Um, but yeah, cultural appropriation. I think it's only cultural appropriation if you have no clue what you're doing and you're using it to pander to people to get votes or to get people to like you somehow. I have a funny story. Like when we lived in Ghana, um, the Black Caucus came and my friend... The Black U.S. Yeah, the U.S. Black Caucus came to uh, Ghana and to look to go through a tour of all the, you know, the slave castles and such. And my one of my very good friends from the State Department, she was the one, she was like their handlers. You know, whenever the president would come, she, you know, took care of them. So she took them around to all these castles. Do, do you remember? So these were all congressmen, right? It was the con It was Jesse Black Jackson. Congress. It was, you know, uh, Al Sharpton. It was Jesse Jackson's son. It was, I, you know, some other people, I don't know, six or seven. I, I, I don't really know how many. But she was telling me this story. She said she took him to the castle and they were so excited. I guess this is the first time. This is in like 2006 or seven or whatever. And she says that they were so excited to see these people. And they're like, hey, brother, how are you doing? And they started calling them Obroni, go back home, Obroni, you know. And that Obroni means um, white man in Twee. They speak tweet. Well, they speak like four thousand languages so, there, but you know it's and so they were they did not accept them. Okay, but let me ask you a question. It's not necessarily. So they went home. They went home like five days early. They were supposed to be there a week, and they were so upset that they they left. But why didn't the people in Ghana accept them? Not that they should say, "Hey, you're one of us." Because, but why weren't they these friendly? The conditions of these people there, okay, is very bad. And they're just working there in, in these castles, just taking tours. And here, these people from the U.S. come that are African American, and they're no like, millionaires. And they're like, "Hey, brother!" And they're like, "No, you've got it made in the U.S. You know, we we don't. So you're like the white man. You know, that's what he said. That's what they said. And Beth Ann, I mean, she told me everything, and it was crazy. Well, uh... and they were very, very upset. That reminds me, like, if a, if a Jewish person goes to Israel, though, Israel is very... But I guess, though, Israel has only existed as a nation. It's not like a whole continent. It's not like the Israelis have been there for a billion years. Yeah. You know, you, like, so it's a little different, I guess. Yes. Oh, yeah. And I mean, because the conditions of the people, the Ghanaians, it's, it's so terrible, you know, and... Um, but, but, you know, and by the way, but that, that, that reminds me, because it always, you know, people are always saying... Oh, you know, this type of person should live here. This type of person should live there. And I was just reading about something we talked about this the other day called uh, uh, the Great U.S. Sort. How how the U.S. has been sorting itself over the past 10, 20 years. Uh, like liberals have moved to one state, conservatives have moved to another state. Every, the U.S. has been doing this massive sort. Mm -hmm. So people with similar beliefs moved to some to the same areas, and that wasn't always like that. And you know, and sometimes they they make those. They're kind of insane in the suggestions, but sometimes they make those suggestions about race or about religion or whatever. But what do you think of this idea? And I, I've had this discussion on, on some, some other podcasts, but what about the idea of going, you know, basically taking over Montana and going to Hong Kong and saying, hey, everybody in Hong Kong right now, you get a free visa and automatic citizenship if you move to, I don't know, St. Helena, Montana. Like, don't you think that would be like the most amazing, oh, like that, that city will become the most amazing city in the world? Well, it would, but I mean, the whole thing about Hong Kong is, is just, it's Hong Kong. And that's like the center of the world. Yeah. So, so, but, but Hong Kong's getting canceled by China, basically. Yeah, I, I understand. I don't, I don't know. Like if, like if I was going to make any bet at all, I would bet completely against the Hong Kong currency. I think that they have the Hong Kong dollar, right? They have a different currency. Yeah. That's going to zero. So, so what if you just went to everybody in Hong Kong and you could limit it. You could say everybody in Hong Kong, I don't know, with a college degree, even though I don't think highly of college degrees, you could have some artificial, you know, sorting and you can say anyone is allowed to bring their family. We'll pay for the flights, could all settle down in St. Helens or Helena, whatever, uh, Montana and knock yourself out. I don't know. These people used to 
urban situations. Oh, they'll be urban though, because all a million people yeah, will come over. It's gonna take a long time to create that. That's city. okay. Just uh, I'm just saying that's to make the U.S. Unless better. Unless the Chinese build it, it'll happen in like three months. No. <laughs> well, because I was at, one time I was at a networking party. And and uh, there was all these like high power people there, and like I don't know why I said this. Uh, we were going around. Everybody had to give an opinion about something, and I, in my opinion, I just didn't have one. So I said the, the first thing that came to my mind, which is that we should, you know, there are so many problems in the Middle East because Israel's there. Like we could solve a problem in a single second if we just say everybody in Israel should move to Wyoming. We'll make we'll call Wyoming. We'll rename Wyoming. New Israel, and sorry, everybody from Wyoming, all four people from Wyoming, sorry about this. We'll move everybody from Israel to New Israel in Wyoming, and then the U.S. will just be the, you know, the smartest, because all the Israelites are the scientists yeah. and stuff like that. We'll just, you know, we'll solve a problem in the Middle East. We'll 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 solve a problem. We'll force everybody in Israel to work on like all these tech. Tech innovations. What do you think that idea? I don't think they would go for that because it's all holy land there. Well, why, you're saying Wyoming's not holy? There's the no, but they have Jackson Hole. The, there's the Grand Teton Mountains. There's a, a Yellowstone National Park. That's, yeah, but that's, that's holy, holy land, land for the you know the native you know Americans, not for you know the 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 what were Christians, the Muslim, you know uh, the. I'm the just Jewish. saying it'll solve. It'll completely in one in one go. It'll solve all of the Middle East, and it'll also make the U.S. a better place. And by the way, it'll solve all the problems for the Israelis. They don't have to be yeah. like in the army all the time. I don't think they'd like it. Maybe they're in a desert now, and so maybe it's too cold. It's beautiful it's, in there because the water is blue. It's gorgeous I'm in just, that area. I'm just saying, I'm <laughs> gotta think out of the box sometimes. <laughs> like we're just coming up with solutions. We're asking the questions. But it is, I, I think that's a, that is a good idea. You know, so, there's a lot of ideas. Here's a podcast, call it Out of the Box, and every episode, <laughs> every episode come up with the most insane that's, solution to the world's problems that you could possibly your, have. That's your podcast. Okay, what would be like a, a completely insane solution to the virus, the pandemic? Um, I don't know. Well, okay, there's two solutions. There's two solutions. Yeah. There's two insane solutions. One is wear a mask. No, completely locked down, and you're not allowed to leave your room for just three weeks. So everybody on the planet, if they simply did not leave their room for three weeks, you you have to buy all the food in advance. There's no deliveries. There's no essential workers. You close all the hospitals. Everything is closed for three weeks mm -hmm. because the virus only lives for three weeks, three or four weeks, mm -hmm. and. So, so anybody who's going to die of it, they're just going to die in their room by themselves. And everyone who's going to starve is just going to starve. Uh, but then if you do that for three weeks, the entire, the coronavirus is eliminated from the planet. So that's an out of the box solution. Okay. All right. Uh, <laughs> I love it. It is. That's the ignore frame technique. Weird? You know what's weird is that there are still like 300 people that are stuck on a ship. Really? Oh, I was going to look that up. That's funny you bring that up. Yeah. And yeah I, so I was wondering about that. Because I know Trump had them, a lot of them, you know, disembark here. Uh, but apparently these are people from other countries that they're not taking care of their people. How, how are they getting food? I don't know. It must be like airdropped by Maybe. a helicopter or something. Yeah. Man, can you imagine? Cruise, or they're just going on a cruise is so awful oh anyway. God. Like, ugh. Like, like you have to learn people. like shuffleboard and then you just stand online at these buffets like hour after hour of buffet and then uh, it's just so like you see the time when the plumbing didn't work on this one cruise line and everybody's cabin was flooded with like shit water like oh those cruises were uh, disgusting imagine being on a cruise for six months for the past six months anyway and what if you don't like what if you don't like the other people on the cruise talk about like quarantine yeah um so the answer is you should start a podcast uh, oh, okay. So now I want to talk about, uh, uh, oh, no, I have another question. Um, what is a trustable news source right now? Um, without, because right now, if you read, let's say, I always make fun of CNN, but you know, someone says to me, why don't you talk about, if you read Fox News, that's biased. If you read MSNBC, that's biased. The New York Times is biased. They admit now they're biased, by the way, because it used to be the business model was come up with the best new journalism. 
but they're not really journalists anymore. They're just entertainers. They're, they're yeah, they're just repeating the opinions of uh, they're kind of summarizing yeah. the opinions of their opinions. class, <laughs> and and then they're uh, uh, and then and so you so this person saying I always have to double check the facts. Well, he, here's the answer: there is no reliable news source. It's just yeah. not. Uh, yeah, because everyone has an agenda. But the, I think the better uh, ones to, to look at are the ones that are outside of the U.S. because it's not part of the propaganda. Although they they are a little bit, but I think they're less likely, you know, when when they're outside of the U.S. Because it's hard to say, though, because... In the U.S., it's very, I don't know, it's just so... Because the Guardian in England and the Daily Mail, they're biased. Yeah, but that's they, almost you, like the U.S. They're either Democrat or Republican. Like I said, I always go to Al Jazeera or I go as far away as I can, you know, to see what they're... Their news. So you read the, the newspapers. B- but I don't read newspapers, but the BBC, like even CNN overseas is different than the CNN here, which oh, yeah? is interesting. All, yeah. right. All right. But I would say. I like BBC too. I, I would say, so, so until this pandemic started from 2010 to March, 2020, yeah. I did not read the news Ever, I would never go to a news website. I never. I, I. I used to pick up like 2005. I used to pick up every single day. I would read the New York Post, the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, and the Financial Times. And the, and the Financial Times and the Wall Street Journal. I even wrote columns for. And I would read those every day, cover to cover. It is so stupid and useless. Like you don't learn anything new yeah. by the time something's on the front page of the Wall Street Journal. It's it's old news. Um, and and now of course you just get opinions. But from 2010 to 20 to March 2020, I refused to read any news site, anything. And people would say to me, how do you get your news? Mm-hmm. And the answer is, if something's in the news, it's not like I'm going to be not hear about it. Like, let's say the U.S. is being attacked by China with, with nuclear bombs. Mm-hmm. You're going to tell me, hey, guess what? We're about to be attacked with nuclear weapons. Mm-hmm. Okay, now I know the news because yes. things that are important, you will get to know. Like in 2008, uh, I would ask, you know, my, my friends were constantly talking about, you know, Barack Obama versus John McCain. Mm-hmm. So people would, I would say, well, what does this person believe? What does this person believe? And then I'd, I'd get anything that was important enough that my friends knew, right. I would get the information whether I wanted to or not. Right. So then I would have an extra hour or two hours a day two hours a day to read history books or to read nonfiction books that I actually would learn something new so that when I hear news, I can interpret it better. Because you can't just blindly following the news, you have zero ability to interpret it. You have to have intelligence from other sources so you can do idea sex with the news so that you could then help under, you know, read the highest quality books and then it gives you an arsenal to interpret whatever is important news. Now, and news is not important, like, you know, like there's all these headlines that now that I've been reading the news since the pandemic started, there's all these headlines like, you know, uh, you know, look, look, what, look at what, you know, you know, or it would be something like Charlie's Angels, the three actresses who played Charlie's Angels were ama- looked amazing in the 1970s. You wouldn't believe what they look like now. Yeah. Uh, and then I'm always clicking on it and it's a, <laughs> And it's a, it's a, a, what do you call it? A, where, uh, no, 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 one page at a time. I'm forgetting. Um, Anyway, I have to click through 40 pages and they'll never even get to Charlie's Angels, like Jacqueline Smith. I'm just curious what she looks like now, or Kate Jackson, whatever her name was. And, uh, uh, or, or they'll have, uh, you know, but anyway, I always get into these clickbait articles too, for at least 15 minutes now. So the news is bad. Read great article, read great, uh, books that have withstood the test of time, like read, I don't know, I could list a whole bunch of books, but, or you read like novels too. I read novels for other purposes, but I'll read nonfiction books to understand mm-hmm. how to interpret the news now because history doesn't repeat, but it rhymes is the famous quote. So I want to learn the rhyming that, you know, so consequently when they talk about bailouts, I'm able to say, well, this is what they did in 1930. This is what they did in 1965. This is what they did in 1974. This is what they did in 2009. I'm able to have a historical context to interpret the news. And that's so much better than just reading something without knowing anything and then making an opinion about it based on what this reporter who doesn't know it. By the way, because I wrote for all these papers and I've been on every news show on, on television, I can tell you those people do not know anything 
about anything. You know, it's interesting if you go back and you watch Walter Cronkite or any of those old from the 70s. I mean, that was just pure news. No opinions, no nothing. He just told you what was going on. I don't understand why we can't just get that. Because they because they need they, they don't need get more ratings. Well, I'll, I'll tell you. Is, is that what it is? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, because understand. look at look at look at Twitter. If you look at my most popular tweets on Twitter, it's always because I don't even know when I'm being polarizing, but somehow or other I'll make tweets that'll either polarize the you know, the left or polarize the right, mm -hmm. and suddenly I'll get like thousands of retweets and thousands of new followers. Mm -hmm. So there's a benefit to being to being polarized one way or the other, but I'm centrist or I don't I'm a, I'm a non-carist, so it kind of limits the uh, popularity on Twitter. If I really wanted to be like super popular on, on Twitter, for instance, mm -hmm. I would take a huge stance, like a Ben Shapiro size stance mm -hmm. or an alt left size stance, and I would probably double my Twitter's over followers overnight. But I don't want to do that because I think that is so silly to be so opinionated and, and, and polarized. Right. I have an idea. You said, you know, what can we do about the, the virus, you know, to make... I think that maybe instead of just being in our rooms for three weeks, I think maybe if we all just not watch any news for three weeks. I, that's probably a good idea. Or, or, or six weeks and let them all go under. I, I think that's a good idea because, <laughs> like for instance, you and read just the news. citizen journalists. Yeah, like, like every day now, we're in Florida, every day now you read like in the news, uh, oh, Florida cases at all time high. Who cares? Like, now, I say that, I'm not being insensitive to the virus. I have a cousin, I mentioned this yesterday, I have a cousin, lives a few miles away from here, like about 30 or 40 miles away from here, who is on a ventilator right now because of coronavirus. And uh, yesterday, they were the ventilator was giving him 80% of his oxygen. Um, last night, they had to give him Plasma, I forgot to mention this to you. I, they have to give him plasma, but the vent he's still on the ventilator. So we'll see what happens. So I'm not being incentive to the virus, but when you see a headline that just says, oh, you know, cases at an all-time high, you have to ask, what's the demographics? Is all the cases among 15-year-olds? Is the cases among 30-year-olds? Is it asymptomatic? Is it, what is the number of new hospitalizations? Are we still flattening the curve, which is our healthcare facilities you know, overly occupied. Like we go out and socially distance and we wear masks. Like I'm not, I'm not trying to like, when you read your, you make a good point that when you read the news, it makes you, it makes me, me angry. It makes me afraid too. Yeah. And it makes me anxious and all those things are bad for the immune system. Right. And so you're more likely to get the virus. Like right. anxiety is significantly bad for the immune right. system. So it's not a good, it's not a bad out of the box Solution. I, I approve. Another one is simply just all everybody just spitting on each other and then whoever's going to die is going to die in four weeks and then the rest <laughs> of the world has herd immunity and boom. Three out of the box solutions on coronavirus. But it's coronavirus. terrible though that how a lot of people live in fear. You know, I don't want to live in fear and I don't want my kids to live in fear yeah. and so just like I'm not letting this virus stop us from doing anything. I mean, we decided, okay, we're going to come here. We came here, we're, we're wearing our masks, we're distancing, we're, you know, so it's like we're living our life. No, that's what, that, I think that's, that's great. And that's what I love about you is that you're so independent. For me, I'm different a little bit, which is that this lockdown is actually my ideal lifestyle. I no longer have to, when I meet people, because I meet people now on Zoom, I no longer have to look people in the eye, which is something I never really liked doing before, because you can't look at the camera, you're looking at the person, so you're not looking at them in the eye. I no longer have to shake hands with anybody. Uh, I, I, hate, I hate that, because I hug people, and you know, I just can't do it. Uh, like, like then, you, you, like when I meet, uh, uh, let's say we meet a couple for dinner, um, you know, uh, like single people date single people, couples date couples. <laughs> And, but when you meet a couple for dinner, oh, I gotta shake the hand of the guy, and sometimes it's the bro hug. And then with the woman, um, do you shake hands? Do you do the one kiss? Do you do the two kisses? Maybe, I think some coaches have three kisses. Like, how many kisses do I have to do with this person? I'm suddenly I'm making out with somebody. Like, I don't wanna have to, like, figure out it what to do. Depends on what country. Some, some yeah, so I don't have to, I don't wanna figure it out. And, okay, anyway. This is a long answer to what is a trusted news source? Nothing. Read a book. That's it. Um, what do you think about, oh, so here's a question. What do you think about video essays as a form of education? 
I think, that. yeah, I think it's great. So you look at a, a there's, a, there's, um, first off, uh, you know, there's plenty of online learning sites like Coursera where most of the courses are taught via video. So before the book Sapiens by Yuval Harari came out, I took his course on Coursera. There was no reading material and he was just, it was just him. It was weird. It was, it was him and he has this super heavy Israeli accent. It's like almost, I couldn't, like, I could barely understand him. And he was just sitting on a white chair with a white background. Like it was the weirdest thing. And he's just, and he's just talking for like an hour and a half and there was like 18 classes, but I loved it. Like, so, so yeah. And then there's a, there's a company called Howcast. They're, they're on, you can search for Howcast on YouTube. They have video essays about billions of things and uh, they get tens of millions of views. So that's a good business and it's a good way to learn. So there's another one, um, I think it's watchmojo.com is a video essay company. Uh, but I think it's a great idea. So uh, for both from a learning perspective and from a yeah. business perspective. Because a lot of people learn that way. They learn visually and by auditory. So to have both is good. Yeah, I was just reading about that. Like. Um, I was, I was reading like a training guide for salespeople at car dealerships mm -hmm. and they're taught, you know, listen to how the, per the customer talks to you. Um, if the customer says, I see that you have a bunch of uh, cars on discount here, mm -hmm. that means they're visual. So start showing them visually, uh, what's in the cars. Mm -hmm. If they say, um, uh, uh, I hear what you're saying, but I think this, that means they're, mm -hmm. they learn audit from a more yeah. audio. Mm -hmm. So then you could kind of say, uh, I don't know, maybe you could, uh, yeah, we'll no, check out the true. car radio. It's great. Like, right. I don't know. So that's why if you offer the visual and the auditory at the same time, you're getting both audiences. Yeah. So I wanted to, um, come up with a few, we only have one minute and 47 seconds left. Oh okay. Goodness. Here's what I'm going to talk about tomorrow. Um, uh, or, or, or Monday. I don't know. I'm sure we might have this. Before. But okay. tomorrow I, I'm going to share my idea list of the day. I, I came up with an idea list, uh, uh, whatever idea list I come up with that day, I'm going to share how I do an idea list. I'm going to talk more about persuasion. I'm going to talk about four different business models that only were created because of, uh, the coronavirus. And I think these are all going to be huge multi-million dollar businesses if you start them right now. So that's the next uh, Q&A podcast. Enjoy, ask us questions or suggest topics, by the way, at 203-590-8607. Also, we would love if you have feedback. I know there's probably feedback here and we'll check that out, but I would love if you text me some feedback, 203-590-8607, just so we know if we should continue doing those, these or what topics you would like or what topics are your favorite. Talk to you soon. Bye. Goodbye. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.